All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 272. Joel Embiid ducks the Joker's smoke. LeBron James went to go visit the miracle foot doctor. Are the Minnesota Timberwolves a contender now that Cat is back? And we have historical flowers to give out. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, turn up the intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 272. Drew, I got to call you out really quick because we just logged on and you're rocking a Gonzaga sweatshirt. This is wrong. Are you even allowed to wear a Gonzaga sweatshirt? (laughs) Tell me about this, bro. That's that's not a bear down wildcat sweatshirt. So I'm going to call you out on this. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I am wearing a Gonzaga sweatshirt. I have had this sweatshirt. Unfortunately, this is going to sound weird to some people, but other people will totally get it. But I've had this sweatshirt since high school. So if I want to age myself, let's think about this here. That's uh, roughly 16 years of ownership of this hoodie. And Dan Dickow, the starting point guard of Gonzaga at that time. No, you know, I think it was Luke Rivio. Um, It's you. If I'm being honest, if I go back in my, I, I could be, maybe his first name isn't Luke. I was thinking maybe that Luke Ridnour might have slid into the, but the mm-hmm. Rivio, little tiny, little similar to Luke Ridnour, but even smaller and a little bit more shifty. Really love that kid. Uh, JP Batista was on that team, but of course I was in love with Adam Morrison. Wow. That was my guy. I was, uh, it, you know, circa 2006 ish. This was, goes back to the, the JJ Redick. Uh, versus Adam Morrison battle for the NCAA basketball player of the year for the men's side. And for those that are old enough to remember or even give a shit, it it was a very, very heated battle. JJ was on Duke and doing his thing. He was averaging like 30 a game and Morrison was averaging like 32 a game for Gonzaga. And this is, you know, this is like pre big time, big, big, like almost blue blood Gonzaga that we've seen in the last decade. This is back when Gonzaga was just, you know, kind of the, the mid-major uh, that would come in and try and wreck some shit in, in the NCAA tournament. Um, and I was just a real big fan of Morrison. I think I thought the way that he played the game was it was incredible. He was to me, it was like a modern day uh, Larry Bird kind of college performance and college career that Morrison had. So I was riding for Morrison. I was very interested in going to play for Mark Few back then in high school when I still had pipe dreams of playing like top tier D1. And so, of course, I, you know, I went ahead and, and made the purchase for the for the Gonzaga hoodie. The reason that I still have it, though, is not necessarily for nostalgia, not for Adam Morrison. Shout out to him on the AT&T commercials. Get that check. Get that bag, bro. But uh, mostly because this is a Jansport hoodie and it is phenomenally well made. It is so comfortable. Today's a rainy day. It's one of those like cloudy, rainy, rainy days that we've been having a lot of here in Southern California. And there's nothing more than I want to put on than this Gonzaga hoodie. I wish Arizona made hoodies this good because I would certainly be having one. I do have an Arizona hoodie. Of course, I have like two or three. But no, I just think it's wrong that you're wearing it for whatever reason. It just seems so wrong. I understand everything about a comfy sweatshirt. And just so everybody knows, I was definitely team JJ in college. Drew was was team Morrison. Well, look, 
I want to say too that we stole Gonzaga's second in command, uh, Tommy Lloyd. He is the head coach of Arizona. I feel like there's a real kindred spirits between my two schools for the first time and and maybe ever. And so I think I get the stamp of approval from current Arizona head coach, Tommy Lloyd. I mean, this is support. Really, if you think about it, I've been supporting our head coach for all these years. Ah, that's what it is. That's what. So, it is. so this is, this is some deep cuts out there for those that don't know. And that Morrison pick was the, the beginning of the end for Jordan, right? That's what it was. That's what's the beginning of the end for the Bobcats. I think that was it. That the Bobcats are bare dead and buried. They will never be another Bobcats and a NBA franchise. That's for sure. And Mike's finally getting rid of that dream. He's selling the team for, I think he's making the, the the plus 600 mil from this or whatever, or he stands to make a bill. I don't know what, but he's finally throwing in the towel on trying to own an NBA team. The math that I saw was that he bought it for like 275 and he's going to sell his stake for over $3 billion. So that sounds like a plus 3 billion. Uh, granted, you know, maybe there's per- percentages off of that, but uh, certainly a, a hell of an investment at the very least. Yeah, and now that Charlotte's making a good good play for Wembo, we have no idea where <laughs> Wembo's going. Once Mike gets out of there, they're finally going to possibly get Wembo. But, hey, we have a lot of stuff to go over, Drew. I'm done ripping on your sweatshirt. Uh, I'm This, this is going to be fun. I'm going to let you pick what we talk about. We got we got a couple things we got to go over today. We got we got uh, Joel Embiid ducking the Joker smoke. We got LeBron and his miracle foot. We've got Dame getting shut down. We've got Carl Anthony Towns back, KD coming back. I'm going to let you pick where we start, bro. I think the one that's the most relevant and the one that potentially all NBA fans, even just casual NBA fans, would have been looking forward to is the matchup between the top two contenders for the MVP that we were robbed of. So we're going to start there. I think that's where I'd like to start, Clips. All right, I'm good with that. And I think that... Yeah, we were really excited for this matchup. And we're for all the talk that's been going back and forth about this MVP debate between Giannis, Joker, and Embiid, you have look, it's it's a close tie between all three of those people with or all three of those players. And and the voters, the guys that have the vote, were kind of waiting on this game. They wanted to see what happened because you know, the last time they played, I'm pretty sure Embiid dropped his 47 in like 16, whatever he had that night in, yep. in the win. And I think for whatever reason, I don't think Joel wanted, you know, Joker to get the best of Giannis and then possibly get the best of Embiid and then maybe sway the voters decision as far as like who they're going to go for. But what I see in this is like, you're the guy that's been really vocal about wanting to be the MVP, right? And he's having this, this career year, he's leading the league in scoring, but his only nemesis is Joe is is Joker and you know Giannis to to some degree, and we wanted to see this game. How can you, as the leader of the team, and and look, man, I don't know how impo- how bad this calf strain was, right? right. I mean, we saw we saw a calf strain take out Carl Anthony Towns for what seems to be five months, right? Yeah. So this guy just wakes up and he has a sore calf and won't go against Joker. To me, that's not very MVP ish, Drew. And it pissed off a lot of people because we really wanted to see this game. So the way I look at it is Embiid woke up and said, you know what? I just don't think I'm going to play tonight. And that's not very MVP-ish, man. And I think it might sway a lot of people, which is sad. It shouldn't all go on one game. But these are the kind of games, especially when the ratings are down for the regular season and whatnot, and people are kind of bored. Teams are are cashing it in for, for the 
for the uh, for not even the plan for the tanking right now. And right. There's two big powerhouses in Joker and Embiid, you know, the two best teams close to the best teams. Uh, uh, Philly's almost there. We wanted to see this battle. I feel robbed, personally robbed. Absolutely. And I think to me, there's a, there's a couple reasons that trickle into my mind, right? Like they're, they were on a back-to-back the game, like the, the two games before this matchup was, was a back-to-back and they lost both of those. They lost to Phoenix and they lost to Denver. Oh, excuse me. The, uh, Golden State and Phoenix were the, the back-to-back games that they lost that Joel played in both of Golden State Phoenix, good, good teams, teams that you probably want to you know try and beat especially while, you know, KD is sidelined and they ended up losing that game, right? Harden is injured and has been injured for a few games now uh, with Achilles soreness, I believe, is the, mm. the issue there, which is never good when you're in your 30s and that starts getting sore. So I do think potentially uh, this could have been a decision that was out of Joel Embiid's hands, right? Like, I think we need to bring that up because I do think he is aware of how important and box office that game would have been. And it is not like him in the past to duck out of these games, especially as you mentioned, a guy that needs, like it feels the need to, to continue to try and promote himself as the MVP. And I think rightly so, but this is a big, big problem here. Now, if it wasn't in his control, then, then I don't know what we can say, right? Like this is just, it's, if, if it wasn't his decision, then I won't hold it against him. Right. Uh, but to me, it's like, well, why not sit him for one of those two matchups against Golden State or Phoenix and then really put a stamp on the fact that you beat Joel, you beat Nikola Jokic twice and pretty quite handily, like in, mm-hmm. in comparison to of the performances, because uh, he did outshine Jokic tremendously in that first matchup back in January. Also, this was like the marquee matchup of the week. I think this is potentially one of the marquee matchups of the finale as we get down into the last seven games for most of these teams. Uh, bad, bad decision for him to skip. But of course, bigger picture, you have to look at this game in particular, MVP considerations or not, does not matter in the grand scheme of where uh, Philadelphia wants to see themselves, which is in the finals. So if Joel Embiid's calf did not hurt him against Golden State and it did not hurt him against Phoenix, and then all of a sudden, like you said, he wakes up and he goes, oh shit, this is not feeling good. Then I think it was a wise decision. As much as I hate to say that, I definitely wanted to see the matchup just like everybody else. I was I was <laughs> very excited to see how how it would how it would go. And I honestly think Joel probably would have handled business similar, potentially similar to how it went in that first game. And then he, like I said, he could have really solidified, you know, a gap between himself and the other contenders for MVP, most specifically joker but instead what happens is denver gets the win joker has a massive triple double looks fantastic and now potentially for those voters who are on the fence may be getting more votes just based on joel missing a game but i don't think that's fair i I just want to say that i don't think it's fair because this is a a regular season award there's 82 games joel has played in like i think close to 60 games at this point right around 60 games i don't think you can just just rule it out because a doctor or Joel or everybody in, in unison was just like, this is not the game for us. Yeah. I think that's f- very fair to say. And I think a lot of NBA fans think that it's the players that are the ones saying I'm not playing back to backs. I'm not playing this game. It is like 80, 20. It's the team deciding that like, it's normally the doctors. It's not Kawhi waking up every single day saying, 
oh, well, I'm just not going to play the back to back. It's the doctors. <laughs> right. It really is. Cause I'm sure most of these guys want to play and I'm, I'm sure Joel wanted to play as well, but if that was hurting, the ultimate goal is to be healthy for the playoffs. That's what all anybody's doing is trying to be healthy for the playoffs. I'm sure James Harden's probably feeling a lot better, but they're not willing to risk it right now to, you know, for these, for the end of the year, but it's just disappointing. We wanted to see those. I wanted to see that game. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm a little pissed off. I think Philly fans were a little more upset that Joel didn't play because they want the bragging rights of the MVP as well. So, uh, that was interesting. Um, where do you want to go next? Do you want to, you want to do, I'm going to let you pick cat or you want LeBron's magic foot. Let's go with the, let's go with LeBron's foot for a thousand clips. It's LeBron's magical foot actually drew. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. LeBron's magical foot for a thousand, please. LeBron has done so many LeBronish things this season. And this one, it might be the most LeBronish thing, which was, <laughs> which was, how do you have, how do you go from 12th place and basically shutting it down for the season? My foot hurts. I got the scoring title. It is what it is. And then you see Austin Reeves and this brand new team of yours, like really play good, good basketball. You wake up one morning where you're in the seventh seed and you're just staring at the play in and the playoffs. And then all of a sudden you just throw out, you know what? I went to go see the LeBron James of doctors and I'm magically healed. I'm ready to play again. It is the most LeBronish thing ever. And then to come back and get an L in your first game back after yep. all of this. Right. So I just thought, I thought it was real uh, the timing on it was really good, but nobody was surprised about this, right? I wasn't surprised at all. And I thought that Chicago game was, was great. And again, the, the, the coming off the bench thing, just start LeBron. We did, we, we did this with Kawhi in the beginning of the year, just start LeBron, let him get his minutes. Don't play this come off the bench thing. But I just thought the anticipation and the way he worded everything with the foot was just so dramatic, man. Yeah, and and the the reporter asked a follow up to 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 the news regarding the LeBron James of feet, mm -hmm. uh, you know who he said he went to go see, and LeBron said I don't know who that is, so he did not go anywhere. Just let's just like set the, set the there was no the doctor. There let's was no the doctor. Straight. It was the same guy that he was talking to when he said I think I'm not gonna play anymore. I need to take a breather here. Uh, the same guy who said, yeah, okay, you can play if you want, or you cannot play. Uh, we rest it up. We'll, we'll say that we'll put you in a boot. We'll do whatever you want. Uh, that same guy was like, okay, cool. Like you're totally fine. Like you want to play today. That's no, there's no problems there. We'll let you play. Uh, this is, I love the way that you phrased it. Like the, 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 the most LeBron James thing that you could do. And it's, and it's totally correct. I, <laughs> this it's ridiculous. Yes, the Lakers are having some success with LeBron being out. Anthony Davis was playing great. Of course, he comes back and we have the worst performance in, probably in the in this last month uh, in this Chicago game. We were flat from the start. Uh, Patrick Beverly was on a mission. This was his championship. This was his legitimate championship of the season was his whole goal was to fuck up the Lakers and, and mission accomplished. He was doing exactly what Austin Reeves hates to Austin Reeves, uh, which is like real, real pressure, physical defense, forcing the refs to call uh, fouls. And, and it, you know, it's, it's one of those quintessential old, you know, defensive plays is like you foul them early and often. And then the refs, you make the refs kind of set the tone to a specific physicality that they accept if you start doing that, you know, from the beginning. But not only that, uh, we were we were just so flat. It was terrible. And I agree with you, like the 
the, the, the LeBron coming off the bench whole thing, like for the second time in his career, and it's been like 1600 games between him coming off the bench. I also think that was LeBron being like, all right, here's the narrative. We have to complete the narrative because if I'm going to just start like nothing was wrong, then maybe people will see the, this for, you know, for not being what it is. So he goes, I'm going to come back, but, but Darwin, I need you to, I need you to put me on the bench. I need you to put me on the bench because I am injured. I'm still injured, but I'm, I'm grunting through this. I am risking my legacy, my career. I'm putting it all on the line for this Lakers team. Uh, Look, <laughs> he plays the fence on all of this yes. so well, dude. And it's just like, it's like, all right, we're playing bad. We're in the 12th seed. I'm going to shut it down with this foot injury. Then yep. we can write it off as like, all right, well, LeBron was hurt. I was hurt the rest of the year. And then they come back and make a strong push. The narrative with the Lakers was like, damn, this team's really good. You and yes. I talk about them every single episode. They they really they got everything that they needed, right? And then he sees, oh shit, we we're, we could be in the playoffs now. We could really make the play in. I'm going to come back and then we're going to make it to the playoffs and it's going to be all about me. Yeah. I'm the one that made this happen. Like you just said, sacrificed there was torn mm-hmm. ligaments in this magical foot of playing his through it, playing through it. Right. Yeah. And that is so bullshit because LeBron would not play through any ligaments torn in any foot that will jeopardize the future, the playing with Brawny at all. So I am not buying it whatsoever, Drew. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those tough looks like it would have been great if we won the game. Right. And and, and there was moments where in, within that game, it looked like, OK, finally, maybe we'll show up for this match and like maybe. <laughs> we'll do something here. Uh, but I think LeBron was more focused on Bronny's appearance in the McDonald's All-American game during that time than anything else, uh, as as shown by the, his presence courtside during uh, the McDonald's All-American game this week. Uh, but we have a chance for redemption, redemption here. We play the Bulls again. It was the same exact Chicago Bulls that we're going to see tonight, I believe. It is uh, in Chicago at the start of a five-game road trip, really a four-game road trip because the last of the five is – against the Clippers. And that's not really a road game. As we know, it's in LA, it's in our home stadium. So, uh, but really, really important four game stretch for us. Uh, I mean, you know, for, for a second there before the Chicago bulls lost before LeBron's return, uh, we were at 500 clips, believe it or not. So it was a small, just a, just a a, a small moment. It was a day, a, a small moment for some applause. Uh, for this Lakers seems to be 500. It was the first time we've been 500 or over since January of 2022, mm. which when you say it out loud, that goes like, oh, that's pretty recent. No, that's over a year ago. That's year ago. that is, uh, you know, 14, 15 months ago now. Uh, so, uh, of course, we have fallen down again below 500 because we're 37 and 38 after that Chicago Bulls loss. But we are in the nine seed. Uh, and we have a half game up on Oklahoma City and the Dallas Mavericks. So the reason I bring this up is because as we you know, head down the season, we like to look forward. Now, the finish line is rapidly approaching. Having a five-game road trip, four-game road trip in the last eight games is seven games, I think, is not ideal to close a season. And we need to take advantage of the wins that we can get, including a redemption win against the Chicago Bulls, who are in my opinion, still very beatable for this Lakers team. They're not beatable for everyone. Chicago was playing quite good. We talked about it on the last podcast since Patrick Beverly showed up. They're nine and four at this point, I believe. So they are turning it on. They're turning it around. And something that we talked about uh, when we brought up Chicago was like, who's going to be the the, the point guard? Who's going to be the leader? And maybe Patrick Beverly can be the rallying figure 
around this team the same way he was for Minnesota last season. And it seems to be, you know, the truth. So while I think we can still beat Chicago, who right now is in the 10 seed themselves uh, with a little bit of breathing room, uh, you know, they don't have to necessarily win out in order to maintain the 10 or, 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 you know, uh, get out of the, of the play in picture. Uh, they are seven and three in their last 10 games. Like we said, nine and four since Patrick Beverly's arrived, they're not going to be an easy out in Chicago. Uh, but then moving forward, we have these other games here, all of which we will desperately need to win based on, you know, uh, where the standings are. So let me get into this. Uh, we see Minnesota after that Chicago game. Minnesota's definitely somebody, something we're going to talk about here. So I won't step on that uh, because Carl Anthony Towns is back. Uh, so that one is going to not be an easy game for for the for the Lakers, especially with the intimate knowledge that that team has on a couple of our players. Uh, then we play Houston and Utah, two games we cannot lose, cannot lose either of those games. One hundred percent. Didn't Houston get you on the last one though? Didn't haven't you? They Houston did beat the Lakers once, right? Anthony Davis recently. We lost That's them right. on March fifteenth. Anthony Davis sat. That was back when we also put out a statement that lasted four days that says Anthony Davis won't be playing back to backs for the remaining of the season. But there's only one extra back to back after that, so it doesn't. It's so stupid. But we play Houston. We play Utah. Cannot lose either of those games because we finish with the Clippers, Phoenix, and then Utah again. So. If it, I wish we had more breathing room or if we were higher in the standings or whatever, we need to pretty much try to win uh, at least five of these next games, right? So if we lose to Minnesota, we lose to the Clippers, maybe we lose to Phoenix because Kevin Durant is making his return this evening. So we expect him to be available on April 7th, the second to last game of the season. It's pretty bleak if we don't beat Chicago tonight, Houston, Utah, and then Utah is our, our final game. So we got to be hoping that they're comfortable losing that match um and, and in order for us to really you know solidify our place it's not going to be one of these things where i think we can coast and have lebron in and out of the lineup no. or have anthony davis in and out of the lineup and still think we're going to make the plan so this is something that uh is 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 probably the most important stretch you know i it's dumb it's maybe it's obvious but it's clearly the most important stretch of the season for us right here yeah, I mean, like you said, there is no breathing room, and it's not even just that there's no breathing room. It's fucking suffocating, dude, everywhere <laughs> in the West. There's nowhere to breathe. Like you just said, these next six games are, are are so important to the Lakers. The next six games for the Clippers are the same way. You know, the, I mean, we have to win. We have these two games. The reason why we started early tonight is because we, we're in Memphis tonight. Kawhi's and out tonight. I just got an alert. He's not playing tonight. Because it's a back-to-back, so we'll play the second. Oh, great. So that's an L tonight. Right. I'm, I mean, I'm, oh, my God, Drew. Why you got to break that? on? <laughs> well, you break news it. to me when it's that's bad true. news all the time, so I got I to return the favor. Um, <laughs> it's okay. You got Nico Batum in the starting lineup. You'll get Rocco or Morris well, in there. Okay. Since we're doing the Clippers, <laughs> we might as well do it. Why did it take to, to seven games left in the NBA season for, for Ty Lue to start Nico Batum? Right. Why did it take this long? We've, we, I mean, come on, we've been begging for it forever. And from, from what I heard was like, this happened before with Marcus Morris and, and Nico, when Nico was playing really well, I think it was last season at the start of the season. Um, Nico was playing really well and Marcus uh, was taken out of the starting lineup and Marcus was very receptive to it. He said anything for the basketball team. Ty Lue came out and said the other night we're taking, I, I don't think Marcus Morris was ill. I don't at all. Uh, he didn't play because he had some non-COVID sickness. Nico played. We ended up winning. Nico hit eight threes on that Chicago team. 
Um, but yeah, so Nico's in the starting lineup, but with Kawhi being out, man, I don't know. Cause I don't know where I want our position to be. I don't, we've had this discussion on the show. I don't know if, first of all, if we lose three of these six games, we could be out of the damn playoffs. Okay. Like literally out of the playoffs. You're exactly right. You're three games out of the 11 seed. Dallas is in the 11 and they're exactly three games behind you. So they would have to also obviously win as well as Oklahoma city, but there's a world in which that could happen. There's a world where that can happen and it scares the living daylights out of me. And then there's a world where it's like, okay, we're going to get Phoenix or we're going to get Sacramento. Yeah. And I don't know who I'd rather have. And we've, we had this discussion. Sacramento. It's Sacramento. No, but it's okay. Sacramento. So I, I've been, you, we both said that, but the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking about these guys play with a huge chip on their shoulder, right? They ain't been to the, the playoffs in 16 years. These guys are, are tr- have been trending upward all year. Their swag is impeccable right now. Their, their offense is uh, just, it's, it's a, it's fish grease hot when they're hot. Right. And they, uh, they blew us out of the building the other night with their scoring, not the other night, but the last time we played them. And then there's something in the back of my head where it's like, well, Kevin Durant, Booker, and aging Chris Paul with Phoenix. We've only seen them play three. I think they're three and four since KD went down with his with his injury. They're all those pieces that made Phoenix such a special team with Bridges and Johnson. Those guys who were extremely important to their offense and to their defense aren't with them anymore. So you're looking at guys like Torrey Craig, and you're looking at guys like uh, what's what's my Jacques Landell, and you're looking at 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 Bismack Biombo and shit like that, like. If we're going into this playoffs without Paul George, it's scary. That's scary going against Phoenix. It's scary without Paul George in general. So I don't know who I'd want to see. I also don't want to see Golden State. I don't even think that could happen. I'm not necessarily sure that the math works on that. So we there while one side of me is saying I want to see Sacramento because of their inexperience and, and the fact that a lot of these guys you know, they, they haven't been in a playoff setting together and the shit does slow down. I know it's, we say this every single year, it's half court offense and, and whatnot. Uh, I I don't know who I'd want to see drew. And I I'm leaning towards, I'd want to see Phoenix just because I think the Kawhi, the Kawhi KD thing works. That's a good matchup. And then I think Booker cooks and I think Russell and Chris is a really good matchup. And I think Russell can win that matchup based on athleticism and whatnot. So I'm nervous going into these next two games against Memphis, who plays really well against us in Memphis. Uh, I We need to split this series big time. We need to split. I thought we got our ass whooped against New Orleans, like really got our ass kicked against New Orleans, and then came back with a big dub against Chicago. And same shit with Pat Beverly. Uh, did the same shit with Russell Westbrook, and Russell gave him the rock of baby the first play of the game. And I'm like, oh, shit, please don't do this, because I've talked so much about how much I hate the rock yeah, of baby. I feel, I feel like that might have been the first one that he's ever done uh, in the Clipper uniform. Was that potentially the, the very first, first? I think that's his first one. Because he learned his lesson, yeah, Drew. I, I right. gave you the math on it. It was one and eight when Russell Westbrook rocks the baby for the Lakers, right? right. That's why I, he was holding off. I think he was holding off. It, I think it was because it was Pat Bev, right? And for whatever reason, Pat and, and Russ were interviewed after the game and Pat was talking shit the night before, right? And I guess they went to dinner because they went. he asked if he wanted to go to dinner. So there was a lot of shit talking going on. If you're going to rock the baby, you might as well do it to Pat Beverly, right? Because that yeah. guy's just, just talking shit all game. 
Um, and Pat Bev, we didn't even bring up before the Laker game post post a picture in his car, holding a, holding a, a 12 pack of Charmin and then writing it off. Like it had nothing to do with the, the Laker game. Bullshit, Pat, you know exactly why you did that. Yep. He's been talking on his podcast and everybody else is saying what kind of problems there were as far as he's con- considered with the Lakers. And, you know, uh, I was a spoon and they're using me as a fork and like all that weird analogy and whatnot. So I think it was the other way around. They wanted to be him to be a spoon, but he's a fork. Right. Yeah. And so while there are a few positive things that I'm taking away with the Clippers right now, as far as like Eric Gordon's been playing really well in the starting lineup, Norman Powell is coming back. He's on the road trip with them. He was good. very good, questionable for tonight. Um, but I'm probably we're probably going to see him on the next game with Kawhi Leonard. I'm assuming Kawhi is going to play Friday. the next game. Yeah. Uh, Eric has been good in the starting lineup, like really well. He's shooting at a super high clip, but I, you know, I think they're going to keep Eric there and have Norman coming off the bench, obviously from the injuries and whatnot, but I'm excited to have Norm back because like we've said so many times, Norm and Eric are kind of like the same player, but Eric being 34 years old, the legs aren't really the same. His stroke has been great. The, the, the ability to get to the free throw line and the ability to knock down timely threes that we need, that we've needed all year. And the fact that Bones, I mean, Bones has been coming in, coming in him and T-Man and him and Westbrook together. Uh, they play really well. Bones is high energy. He does a lot of dumb shit too, though, Drew. Yeah. Like, like a lot of basketball players do. I always mention about Marcus Morris. If Mar- if Morris hits his first three or gets two in a row, he's jacking the next six, right? And Bones will make this incredible play. And then the next time down, he'll just do something so boneheaded, excuse the, you know, pardon the pun. But I think this is somebody that I'd like to have long-term. I think Bones is a good energy guy and we need those young legs coming off uh, coming off the bench and we are the oldest team in the nba so having the young guys on the court i'm still not sold drew i'm still not sold i am petrified of everybody white right now i think the the batum move to the starting rotation will pay off pretty big um morris can still come off the bench and contribute and i think his contributions especially with Paul George out in the second unit, become more geared to his strengths, which is spot up shooting and, you know, getting to the post, getting some good shots up. And defense, playing defense. Right, and playing good defense. But I like finally getting Batum or somebody different in the starting lineup. I mean, it's been been overdue. We've talked about it probably more than most other roster situations going on in the NBA because it was so glaring. Just not a great year for Morris this year, which is okay. You know, it happens. You have good years, you have bad years. And and I think overall, from what I can tell, he's playing through it pretty admirably, right? He's not yes. not hanging his head that much. He's not really moping. He's just, you know, he's trying to make the plays, trying to make the right plays. Uh, so credit to him in that regard. And it sounds like at least there may have been a conversation with him and Ty Lu about this beforehand. But it was time. It was time to rotate. And you got Batum, you got Rocco. I would love to see again Rocco get some more minutes. I think that'll pay off too because as you head into the play, into the, the playoffs, regardless of where you end up and who you see in the postseason, um, maintaining a top six finish is of the utmost importance. More than oh, do we get, do we get the Kings or do we get the Suns? Right. Playing is a, you know it's a crapshoot. So I think this will help you get there. 
And it makes for potentially a more rounded and ready to go entirety of the roster. Uh, as you head into the playoffs, when you assume that Paul George will be coming back at some point, um, whether that's first round or not. So this is all good news. I mean, the bad news is what I read about Kawhi is that it's for personal issues. He's not out. It didn't say rest. It didn't say ankle or soreness or knee. It was personal issues. And so I'm curious what that means, right? Because we've seen personal issues hold Wiggins out for over a month. I'm not trying to say that this is in any way, shape, or form the same thing. But when you see that, that actually makes me question. Again, this you're reacting to this live, so I'm dropping some more news on you mm-hmm. here. Uh, but that's a little curious, right? And 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 it can't be an extended absence for Kawhi at this point. This cannot be, as we're talking about. You can lose three or four games in a row and then look, be looking into the playoff picture and completely missing it, which really would be a catastrophe for, for the Clippers at this point. Well, one thing I'll say is if if Andrew Wiggins has had personal issues for the past month and we have no idea what they are, I can guarantee you we will never know what Kawhi Leonard's personal <laughs> issues are What for whatever reason he's out. And personal issues can mean anything. There could yeah. be a birth in the family. It could be something or it can just be another excuse to sit Kawhi because yeah. he's not hurt. He's been playing out exactly. of you know, it can just be another reason to not play Kawhi. Yeah, something so, they had to put something down. So they said personal personal issues. <laughs> I was, ex- I was expecting this to happen for one yeah. of these last six games. I mean, the, we have one more, this is the last back to back. If I'm not mistaken, this is, this is it. And, uh, I, I had a feeling that he was not going to be playing and you know what, dude, the give, give some of these guys some burn, you know, we're Memphis has been playing really well since Jock came back. They've won nine of their last 10. I mean, that's even before yeah, they're seven in a row right now. Yeah, but mind you, like their schedule, they've had the easiest schedule out of all of them. Like they got three dubs against Dallas. They got two against Houston, one against San Antonio, one against Atlanta. Like they've had a really easy schedule while some of us are dealing with like some really tough, tough, tough games coming up here. What's what's crazy is I think that Clipper Laker game is going to be super important for both both teams. It's going to mean (laughs) it's going to mean something, Drew. Like it's going to mean you guys are in the play in. You know what I mean? Or it means the Clippers are in the play-in. Like, that's what I think it's going to be. And Yeah, for the Lakers, I think it'll come down to the last game of the season. I think it's going to be one of those things where, you know, potentially we'll be looking at we win, we're in the eight, we lose, we're in the 11. That's kind of like how I think the last two games, especially, but, but even that very last game against Utah will go for the Lakers. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm nervous as hell, man. I'm nervous as hell, and I'm interested to see what, is going to what Phoenix is, man. I mean, we haven't had it. We've had such a small sample size of what Phoenix is. I haven't had enough time to see them, to be scared of them, you know, to see what they're capable of doing. And, you know, this is Chris Paul, uh, uh, Chris Paul kind of deteriorate to deteriorates going into the playoffs. It's been a long season. I think he hasn't been, been playing in the fourth a lot campaigns, been getting a lot of those minutes. And um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm nervous. Uh, I want that six spot. It's just so wild how the Clippers has been have been so up and down roller coaster all year, and the fact that we are even in the five spot is is blowing my mind right now. Yeah, and any other season, you guys would be where the Lakers are. I mean, that's 100. the truth of the matter. Any other normal Western Conference season, yeah, you but and what I, makes the, this our unnormal? teams our teams are right next to each other in like in like the the nine and ten or something like that. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and then the, the team that we haven't talked about in a while that we had talked about earlier today was was Minnesota. 
And that's who uh, the Phoenix Suns and Kevin Durant will be playing tonight. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. You have cat coming back. Cat played really well. I think in these four months that he's been out, um, they've played very well. I mean, slow-mo Kyle Anderson, Mike Conley has been great for them. We're seeing uh, Jaden McDaniels turn into like a very important player, not just for Minnesota, but a very important. And he'll be a very coveted player at some point. Teams are going to want this guy. He plays both sides of the basketball. They've kind of found their groove. And then I think with all this time off, they've kind of figured out what they need to do with Rudy and what they need to do with cat. Once he comes back and cat, they're playing like a seven foot guard now, right? They're running them off screen and rolls. Anthony Edwards is, you know, uh, setting him up for three point shots. I think he likes that role a lot. And I think it's very confusing for defenses to have to deal with Gobert and deal with towns. They, they scare me because we can't Clippers. And of course, I'm just saying Clippers. It could be any other basketball team. It's hard to have somebody in the paint with Gobert and then somebody chasing a great shooter or self-proclaimed best shooting big man of all time, Carl Anthony Towns. And there's this stability that you get with a guy like slow-mo who's a very underrated player he's a great veteran he doesn't do dumb shit you know he he makes the right plays the smart plays there's nothing fancy sexy flashy about him and it's kind of the same thing with conley conley's going to bring this presence to them going into the playoffs that that they have lacked especially last year with that meltdown now as much as we love patrick beverly in minnesota and i think we should say that you know, we talk a lot about Patrick Beverly, but he's a culture shifter with every team that he's been to. And he creates a winning culture with whatever team that he goes to. And we're seeing it with Chicago. We saw it with the Clippers, saw it with Minnesota. But Mike Conley brings like just a veteran point guard, a guy that's not going to shake under pressure. He's been in the situations before. And I think they have the right personnel with them at this moment going into the playoffs, I think they could be a little scary, especially if, if cat is fresh, you know, he hasn't played in four months. And if he, if, if you use that time on the bench, uh, Paul George talked about it a lot. Kawhi refer, refer, you know, referred to it before, but when you're on the bench, you see the game a lot more and maybe Carl Anthony towns, if he's the leader that we think he is that, that he thinks he wants to be, he could, he used that time talking to coaches and watching Gobert play and watching Conley play and figure out what his, his best suit for that team would be. And maybe this is going to work, Drew. Yeah. To me, this is, this just goes back to like our reactions to when the Gobert trade happened and Mike Conley wasn't in the deal to begin with. Mm -hmm. It was like, what the hell are they doing? Why is D'Angelo Russell not coming, you know, not going to Utah? Why is Conley not coming to Minnesota? And they finally rectified it. And, uh, you can see his immediate impact. And, and all the things you said about Conley are absolutely true. But, but there's one other thing uh, that you, you didn't mention, but it, it's obviously within it is, is he's a winner. I mean, throughout his entirety of his career, it's a long career now, he's, he's won everywhere he's gone. He doesn't tank. I mean, granted, there may have been a couple years here and there where it wasn't pretty. Uh, but in Memphis, all those years, they were always in the playoffs. And same thing with Utah. And now having also not just Rudy Gobert dropped in on his own isolated with nobody that's ever played with him before, but having a guy that's played with Rudy and found success playing with Rudy, as opposed to D'Angelo Russell, who is so different than Mike Conley 
really, really makes a huge difference. And I, and, and I think that's what you're seeing a lot of Minnesota just being like, oh, cool. We have a we have a legit point guard who is not selfish, who doesn't really want to shoot, wants to shoot sometimes, wants to get the ball, you know, in his hands from time to time, just like any good NBA player does, but is totally fine with setting the table and getting Cat and Gobert and Ant Edwards and Jaden McDaniels the ball and getting them in good spots. Jaden McDaniels, who you talked about, is having the best month of his entire NBA career offensively. He's always been a very stout defender, I think a very uh very uh smart defensive player and that that part continues to grow and improve as well as he gets to know like the ins and outs of how to play certain guys after seeing them over and over again um so mcdaniel's obviously playing very very well and it's i i chuckle a little bit because he was like the coveted keep out of the rudy gobert traders like well we kept mcdaniel so we'll be fine but now guess what it worked actually looks like you know they made a pretty solid bet because as much as I love Jared Vanderbilt, who was on that team, he cannot shoot the way that Jaden McDaniels can and score. Uh, Vanderbilt, you know, I, I love the kid to death. He's only been on the roster for uh, whatever, a, a little over a month. I uh, I wish desperately that he spent a little bit more time in growing up and in, in, in these NBA seasons working on that just catch and shoot uh, factor and then finishing a little bit as well. But I'm not going to get into Vanderbilt. They kept Jaden McDaniels for a reason. Is it Jaden or Jalen? I don't know. They're brothers. They're both in the league. The McDaniels on Minnesota is the guy that's Jayden. that's on fire right now. They're both uh, on fire. They're both they good. Both yeah. Are. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. So uh, anyway, I I think that the the Conley impact is what we're seeing, and uh, the I like the idea of cat being able to take a step back and like let's look together maybe with the coaching staff like how how does gobert play mm-hmm. right because it is it's a it's a huge uh weight like a gravity around gobert we talked about this when you drop him into an offense you have to adjust it's not just going to be like oh cool gobert's out there but we'll still be able to run our our old sets mm-hmm. that we had going before it's not one of those things um and I think also watching maybe for, for Carl Anthony Towns, watching Nas Reed have success oh. while he's been on the bench mm-hmm. is, is also maybe lighting a fire under his ass going like, hold on a second. Like I should be able to figure out how to play with this team. If I'm watching Nas Reed do all of this here, I, I, you know, Nas is a great player. And I think Minnesota is tremendously lucky to have him on the deal that they do, because I think he's more valuable than he's getting paid right now. Uh, but watching him, you know, pop in for, for career nights at times and playing really well. Taking uh, with, last shot on some nights, which is wild. Yeah. And, and so maybe maybe all of that just turned into like, hey, like, let's figure this out. And I do think they've tweaked some things. I think now, once you can figure out the spacing with Gobert, it can open a lot of lanes. As we saw all those years in Utah, you had guys that were tremendous scorers uh, working working off of Rudy Gobert and having him still be involved in the pick and roll and all that good stuff. So uh, Minnesota is on out of all of the teams, you know, in, in the Western conference, top 10, you know, really outside of the top two, I would say they're in one of the best spots possible uh, right now. Everyone is coming together. Everyone is playing well. Everyone seems like they have some belief. And the last thing I'll mention is all those guys we just talked about, but especially Conley, they can now play defense where in years past they couldn't really even going back to last year was like, okay, you got Pat Bev and you got McDaniels who can play some defense. And every once in a while, uh, a couple other guys will try and and pop in for a possession. 
but defense, as we know, is, is a tremendously uh, important aspect to any playoff run. Something that I think a couple teams that we've talked about, like the Kings and the Mavs do not have. Oh yeah. The Minnesota Timberwolves now do. And so when I, when I think about potential matchups, as we look at it, the three, six between Sacramento and Minnesota as a possibility I think I would actually maybe lean towards Minnesota, whereas I don't know if I would have thought that if they weren't playing the way that they are right now with with Conley and and having the both both offense and defense going the way that they do. Yeah, that's well said. And I think that to piggyback off what you said, I, I read an article about them on The Athletic yesterday that Anthony Edwards was just saying who we haven't even talked about enough you know, mm. in this whole, in this whole segment that we just did, because he's been fantastic this year. Also a good defender when he wants to be right when he wants to be. Yeah. But the, he had mentioned that the chemistry is really good on the team right now. And chemistry is, is key to having a very, to having a successful team. Chemistry is a key in any team sport, but they, they had had to work with Rudy. They want Rudy to be Rudy. Uh, Anthony Edwards has just kept saying, keep doing you Rudy. Right. And, uh, you know, when you look at, I'm not saying Minnesota Timberwolves can win the championship this year, but when you look at championship teams, built championship teams, I mean, do you have a savvy point guard? Yeah, Mike Conley. Do you have a rim protector? Yeah, we got Gobert. Do you have the wild? Do you have the star, which is Anthony Edwards? Do you have the wild card, which is McDaniel's and Nas Reed? And then do you have uh, a universal player like Carl Anthony Towns? They have it. And their bench isn't bad. They've got the veterans on the squad. I like it. And this is a team I did. We both did not like in the beginning of the year. That's why in the back of my head, something's telling me that it's not, I know we got two games from Carl Anthony towns Mm -hmm. and it looked great, but when, when shit hits the fan and when you're back against the wall in the playoffs and you need a bucket, just like we go back to our show that we did, who's the man, who's the guy that's, that's going to want the rock and who's the guy that's going to win the ball game for him. So it's it's Anthony Edwards, and I to. I think he's ready for that. I do. I think he's there now. I think it's happening. Like weird injury thing happened, but he's he's good to go. I think he will be good to go uh, for the playoffs. I think he's absolutely the guy that wants to take that last shot and will take it. And I think the the other reason why I'm more optimistic about this team than even like all those Utah teams that were in the top, you know, four seeds over the years is the lack of small ball versatility that was always on that Utah Jazz squad that they did not have really when they when Gobert would go to the bench, they had nothing to bring in to go small. Uh, Or if they did, it was way too small. They now have Carl Anthony Towns and Nas Reed who can both fill uh, a small ball center role very easily as they are naturally centers, right? So like, I just think that they have enough versatility on this Minnesota team to actually figure it out. And and like you, I don't think they'll win an they'll win a championship because there's no way they're going to beat the Bucks or the Celtics or the Sixers, right? But if you tell me, I don't know, Drew. The, look at the matchups of all the teams. Hold on, you but just said. but let me just finish because if you tell me that the Minnesota Timberwolves make it to the Western Conference Finals, I would not be shocked because as we have talked about over and over again, I'm going to repeat myself: the West is wide open. So if you're going to go with the hot hand, as I think you should, uh, with it, when a year that's this wide open, I think there's a path for them to 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 make it to the Western Conference Finals, and that's crazy. And I, and, and I also want to say, like, I'm not walking back, and I think you might feel the same way. I'm not walking back on, like, our thoughts on the Rudy Gobert trade. Minnesota unequivocally gave up too much for 
Rudy Gobert. And I mean that, you know, you, you take it how you want, but I, I still think even if they win a championship, they may have given up too much for Rudy Gobert, but the championship deads all deads all those conversations. If they win a championship, then they can give us the middle finger and, and they can say, screw you to all of y'all who said that this was the worst trade in history. I still think it's one of the worst trades ever made. But in the beginning of that, I said, there's a way for this to work because Carl Anthony Towns is a perimeter player. And we're actually seeing them figure out the, the spacing to make it happen. So I'm excited for them. Uh, I still think it was a terrible trade. You shouldn't give up that many picks and that many players for a guy who, who will not clips be playing in any fourth quarters that really matter against the big teams. He will not be playing in the last five minutes of any closeout game against any Western or Eastern conference opponents in this playoffs. You agree? Uh, I think they've learned their lesson. I think he can't shoot free throws. So it's so easy. It's so easy to get him out of the game. Well, it's easy uh, to get him out and get Nas Reed in. Exactly. Right? You That's know? my point. And so, and, and that pivot is is the ultimate thing that that I wished for the Utah Jazz to to figure out how to get, and they could not do it. So, I think Minnesota. I, I'm maybe I'm overreacting to this, but I really think, like when I when I think about how the Western Conference could fall, I could easily see them making the second round. And potentially the Western Conference Finals. I think you're absolutely right on that. And I wouldn't be shocked if they made the Western Conference Finals. I would be surprised. But in the same light, I will not be shocked or surprised if they get fucking handed in the first round playing anybody and right. completely collapse. And that, But that's the other thing, though, is <laughs> if it's D'Angelo Russell, who's right. the leading, like kind of leading the you know, the heartbeat of the team as the point guard mm-hmm. i think that's a much more realistic possibility he can't defend he can make bad shots he can make bad turnovers conley won't do that he right. just won't he's he's so good he won't turn the ball over i mean yes sometimes you can turn him over you could rip him or whatever but he won't turn the ball over and most likely you'll get a good shot when it comes down to crunch time with mike conley running the point including him taking a shot he's a very good scorer on it in his own right and shooter in his own right. So I, I do think while I, I really like D'Angelo Russell on the Lakers, and I think he's a valuable NBA player to us and to, and can be for other franchises. I think this was, a, you know, clearly the bigger trade for me for Minnesota was, was the Conley piece. Would you rather have Conley than, than D'Lo on your team? Would on you my have... team on the Lakers? Yeah. yeah. Um. Sure. Yeah. I think, I think, D'Angelo Russell's a lot younger. Uh, he provides a, a scoring threat that we desperate and a shooting threat that we desperately need that that like Conley doesn't always play with. And I think when when we're at our best, we end up having the ball run through LeBron James or a- a- Anthony Davis. So I, I'm torn between like who I'd rather want because Conley's like 33, 34 years old, right? Um, if we're talking about like for one season, like right, if I could just drop Conley in and take D'Lo out for this Lakers season, I would do it. But if, but because we're looking, you know, as it goes, you have to look beyond just this year. I think we made a smart play to bring in D'Angelo Russell. We needed shooting and scoring. Uh, and, and he, he does that for us really well. So it came out two days ago that Portland is going to shut down Dame for the rest of the year, uh, which is sad. Uh, cause we like watching Dame and, you know, there's been a lot of rumors too going around that this might be it in Portland. I know people have talked about it, uh, for the past couple seasons and we all want to talk about the loyalty that, that, that Dame has and 
the $60 million paycheck that he's getting. I don't know how many teams could absorb that or take on that. I know every team in the NBA would love to have Dame. I would love to have Dame. Giannis Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets have the cap space for it. They definitely do. (laughs) Damn. That's crazy. But they're going to shut him down. They're they're five games out of the play-in. I get it. You know, Drew, I understand it. I get it. But how isn't this when you and I were doing our pre-show when we were texting about like what we want to talk about on this show? How is this not another form of load management? Like, how does this come? How does Silver not step in and say something with this? We saw it with SGA last year uh, with, you know, shutting down SGA. And, you know, they're hopefully Portland's going to make a play for some kind of lottery pick, which I think they will if they drop these next five games. Who knows? I'll have a 25% chance of getting a top five pick or whatever it is, uh, but shutting down Dame. And it's just, it goes to the same way as like, well, you know, when fans buy tickets to watch Kawhi play or to watch AD play or any, or Joel Embiid play and they don't play, it pisses off the fans. So what about the season ticket holders, you know, that spend, you know, 30, 40 racks to get season tickets for the team. And then they're shutting down their, their main player. I understand why? Because you want the longevity of your player. And then what are you playing for? We're not playing to not make the playoffs. Uh, and Dame is getting up there in age and whatnot, but shutting down Dame. Uh, I get it. I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think there should be a distinction between what Portland is doing right now with Dame and what OKC did with Shea uh, or anyone else for that matter. I think that it's low distinction- management though, right? Yeah, load management for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think the distinction between what those two organizations have done and like Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James load management is different. I think there is a difference between those two, right? The Lakers and Clippers look at the schedule strategically and go, that's a load management game or that's a load management game. Uh, but their player is fully healthy. In, in OKC and in, in Portland's situation, you're absolutely right. Adam Silver probably should do something or say something or, or there should be some ramifications because you're not supposed to be able to openly tank. But it is it's a slightly different situation for load management in that regard. I think it's a wise decision for the Trailblazers. I don't like it either, uh, but they've they've been pretty banged up this year outside of Dame. I mean, Dame's had you know a little bit of issues, but but certainly not as bad as it was last year and a career year for him on top of that. Uh, so it kind of hurts any potential chance that for him to make an all NBA team this year, for instance, which I, some people may still include him in an all NBA team because he's, I mean, he's had literally the best year of his career offensively. Uh, but I don't, I don't hate the decision because they're not going anywhere this year. They are not very good and they haven't been healthy enough to really pull it together, even though Dame's been spectacular. And in several of these games where he's gone off, they just lose the game, which is, you know, that's uh, it's a brutal reality. But I do think it definitely opens the door for him to finally go somewhere else. Yeah. Is that going to happen, though, especially after that JJ pod, which was phenomenal, by the way. Shout out to JJ. I know we talked about JJ twice on this show now, but he's doing such a fantastic job, not only on first take, but his podcast. And we don't like plugging other people's podcast either. And I'm plugging (laughs) it because he's just, it's, I think people are very candid with him, man, you know? And I think they're, they're very open with him. And I appreciate that. I think listeners appreciate that. And I thought everything Dame said was, was true, you know? 
Uh, I think this guy wants to win a championship just like everybody else. I think he's given it everything he possibly can. I'm not comparing it the same as LeBron, but I, you know, LeBron gave everything he could that first run with, with Cleveland, right? Just mm. not, you're not bringing me the guys, right? Like you've given me a couple, but it's not enough. And I've given you everything I possibly can, right? I gave right. the city everything I can. I've given this organization, but you're just not getting me the help I deserve. And Dame's one of those guys like the Hardens, like the Chris Pauls, these guys, they need an opportunity. And I think Dame deserves an opportunity to go somewhere. I'm not telling him to ride coattails and, you know, go to Milwaukee or anything like that, but it'd be nice to see Dame pair up with somebody uh, and get a chance. I think if you polled all NBA fans, I'm pretty sure 99% of people would say they want to see Dame Lillard, you know, at least compete or be in a position to win a championship. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, he'll always have the Western Conference Finals appearance, right? That's something right. that you can't take away from him. And that's something that he, you know, and CJ were both able to accomplish there. But really outside of that year, it's been a very disappointing uh, team finish to most seasons not not individually because dame is is individually fantastic as we know but i think potentially uh, the reason for shutting him down is is to try and get more help for him you know in an effort to keep him you know how do you get help drew with 60 million on with one guy right exactly which is why i don't i don't i still don't think he's going to leave Right. I mean, there. everyone's going to talk about this and all, all this stuff. He did come out and say, uh, I think it was on JJ's podcast, as we said, but, you know, I don't want to be around for a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Right. That That's something that, that, yeah, it's a, absolutely fair. Mm-hmm. I don't want to stick around for a rebuild. That's the first, that is, I, as far as I can tell, the first public statement that he's made just edging towards a potential, you know, move away from Portland. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fair. But I also think if Portland were to get into the top, you know, one, two, maybe three picks, they could get him immediate help from a rookie. Maybe even they, they, they miss out on the top three and then they go through the offseason and they're, they're on the phone with Dame and they're going like, hey, who do we want? Let's, let's work together. Let's collaborate. Let's go get who you think is who you want to play with. And even if that happens and it falls through and, and, the, and the, the players or one or two that they'd go and target don't come their way, then maybe they go, OK, like, do you want to do you want to call it? Because we're, we probably need to call it on our end. Right. Because there's only so many times they can finish mediocre and and not do anything. Right. Like this has been the problem. Uh, you know, you, they, they let go of CJ for for pieces. They let go of CJ for pieces. They let go of Norm Norm Powell for pieces. And those pieces have not turned into uh, wins. It has not turned into success on the court. So it's one of two things, though, Clips. I, I, while I still think he will remain a blazer, I do think they're going to go through this exploratory period here with the draft. And then with the with the offseason free agent stuff to see what they can pull. And then maybe they'll let Dame decide. Yeah, I think the more I think about it, the more I think he's going to he's going to dip. Because just like what you said, as an organization, like when Damian Lillard woke up in the morning and said, wait a minute, you gave you gave away Norman Powell and Rocco for Eric Bledsoe, who's playing in, in China right now. Right. That would piss me off if I'm Dame Lillard. Right. And when you look at that team, that's exactly the guys that they need are guys like Rocco and Norm Powell. So I think to what you're saying, I think they would give him the Russell Westbrook treatment as far as like 
where do you want to play? And we will do our best to, to, to put you there and make that happen for you. But you can't beat time, man. And when you look at that team right now with, okay, Jeremy Grant, cool. That's not getting me anywhere. That's not even getting me better than Dallas right now. It's it's like, real solid if you have him as your third option. Right. I think it becomes quite solid if he can be the third option. And and Anthony Simons is still it's just not quite there as a, a standard two option for this team. He could team. be though. He could he's, be. He's close mm-hmm. and and there's moments where you go there it is. That's mm-hmm. That's what they need, but they also he's also quite similar to Damian Lillard in the way that he same plays player. As well, They're the right? same exact, yeah, very player. similar type of, of way that they go about things, uh, which is why you know Shaden Sharp, the, the, their rookie this year, who has has sparked at times. But if you can get the Victor Wembanyama, you really don't need Scoot Henderson. So if you could get uh, uh, Miller from Alabama, then maybe you maybe Dame is reinvigorated, and then mm-hmm. and then a couple more pieces in the off season to kind of like maybe solid. I don't know what the hell Patrick Beverly is going to do in this off season, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's always going to be a handful of guys that you can probably go and get. But if, if you miss out on that draft, I do think it's going to be one of those like, all right, like maybe, it, maybe it's time because Portland seeing going back to Rudy Gobert and some of the other trades that we talked about, seeing the halls that, that players have gotten teams have gotten for mm-hmm. players like Gobert and KD and Kyrie, uh, it would be pretty intriguing for them to be like, okay, like you want Dame? Yes, you got to deal with the price tag, but we also need like five first round draft picks. And then there's your rebuild right there. Like exactly. if Portland's doing that. There's your whole rebuild. Right. So and then I, so Oklahoma City just randomly mm-hmm. keeps Shea Gildas Alexander, trades for Damian Lillard, gives them six first round picks, mm. and then Oklahoma City is a tremendous, tremendous basketball team next year. That's a great call, Drew. That's a and you know what? They give up the six number ones and they still have eight left. Like they're still fine. They have so much in the reserve. Ooh, I like that, Drew. I really like that call. You've been full of them this season. You've had some good calls. I enjoy it. We're well, we're both waiting for OKC to do freaking something with the stockpile that they yeah, have. They're finally going to make their it looks like they're going to make it into the plan. So we'll see them do something in there since uh, first time since the bubble. Man, SGA and Dame together would be so Dame would love that. That'd be awesome. The workload for Dame would be over pretty much. Like, thank God. And you get young legs running with you all day, and you give me a Chet Holmgren coming back. Man, sign me up for that. That's what's up. Um, I need flowers, Drew. You got any flowers this week? We got to give some some uh some bouquets out. Yeah, we do. I have some so I have some flowers. Uh, okay. they aren't going to the Dallas Mavericks who oh are God. in the 11 seed which we we've talked about pretty recently so we don't need to go into them. But they don't they they get I'm taking their flowers. If Take they it. have a garden, I'm picking those flowers. I'm, I'm stepping it. in their garden. Exactly. Exactly. Uh and I'm bringing those flowers from Dallas. I'm flying on a plane to Sacramento and I'm giving them to Keegan Murray. Ooh. Uh Keegan Murray is tonight has a chance tonight to break the all-time rookie record for three-pointers made in an NBA season. A guy that was laughed at on draft night because he was taken in front of Jaden Ivey, who is in Detroit and did drop a huge game. What do you have, 38 30, the other night? Yeah. Ivey at 30, 38 yeah. points. Awesome. And I think he's coming on strong, going to be a great pick. I still think it's questionable as to who they should have chosen, but clearly Keegan Murray starting the majority of the season 
has fit in beautifully with the Sacramento team. And Sacramento is going to make the playoffs the first time, break this historic record of missing the playoffs for 16 seasons. Uh, they're going to do it potentially tonight as well. I think they have a chance to lock it up tonight. Uh, um, and so Keegan Murray, you get my flowers, man, because you're beating out Donovan Mitchell and a guy that we just talked about, Damian Lillard. Uh, if he hits three threes tonight, we'll have the all-time record to himself for a rookie for three-pointers made. Averaging 12 points, five rebounds on 45% shooting from the field, 40% from three, and 75% from the free throw line, and playing really good defense. So flowers to Keegan Murray, man. People laughed at you, but guess who's going to be laughing now? They didn't laugh at Keegan. They laughed at the, the Kings for taking Keegan. That's I mean, fair. The, That's fair. They weren't laughing like he shouldn't be there. That's uh, fair. And that's a really impressive stat, Drew, that I did not know. I'm actually shocked that I didn't know that. That's that's in it with elite company, right? If yes. Keegan Murray gets that off only 12 points a game, how yeah. many how many three-pointers is it? Do you know? How many he's made? Yeah. Yeah, right now he's at 185. So he's tied with Damian Lillard. Mm -hmm. uh, he needs three more to break Donovan Mitchell's record, uh, which is 187. So he'll get to 188. And he's got whatever seven games left. He's yeah, he's going to beat he's it. He's definitely going to beat it. It's just whether or not potentially tonight that could happen. That's impressive. Uh, my flowers. This is going to be a first, Drew, for the follow through with Clips and Drew NBA podcast. It's going to be a uh -oh. first for the flowers. You want to know why it's a first, Drew? No, I don't. Yeah, of course. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. That was a long pause, Drew. Come on now. Uh, I, I thought it was rhetorical. I thought you were just going to answer it yourself. Well, no. Go ahead. Uh, I want I wanted to build the suspense on why this the suspense is, is first. the suspense is built. I'm I'm on pins and needles. I'm not giving it to an NBA player, and I'm not giving it to a male. I am giving it to the coldest Iowa. hooper in freaking college basketball history, yes. Caitlin Clark. You get my freaking flowers. You get awesome. a you get a whole whole bag of flowers because I've been watching this girl all year, and she cooks. Okay. Mm -hmm. She absolutely cooks. She's the first player ever in college, men's or women's, to do a 40-point triple-double anywhere. If, if you want to have an argument, Drew, listen to this one. Hey, follow through with Clips and Drew listeners. Name a colder college player than Caitlin Clark, men or women. Give me a better college basketball player. She's, she's already tied for the fastest to reach 2,000 career points in her 75th game. Wow. Okay? This girl is putting up crazy numbers also with a, a, a shortened COVID-19 season. What this girl is doing, how she plays basketball is absolutely phenomenal. And I watched her game over watching any of these uh, March Madness games, which I know drives you crazy, Drew, but she's box office and she's yeah. one of these players that like will make grown men who love NBA basketball watch women's basketball because she's that freaking good so my flowers are going to you caitlin you just broke down the barriers on the follow-through podcast so you you got to see this girl play right definitely yeah i i haven't i didn't watch the most recent game that she played in which got more viewers in that particular game than any nba regular season game this season all nba games had a lower viewership than her last game and she is definitely box office 100 mm. percent I don't know how Iowa got her of all the teams. I don't know if she's from Iowa. I should know this, but I don't. Like, how is UConn, South Carolina? How are the big old, like Tennessee? How are the Blue Bloods? I don't even know if Tennessee is very good anymore. But how are the Blue Bloods of women's college basketball 
not having this girl on their squad. Maybe she grew up in Iowa and maybe it's in the back pocket kind of a deal, but uh, wherever she's playing, she's going to get some viewership because she is box office. I mean, you just said it already. 40-point triple-double? That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen in college. No. There's 40 minutes in a game. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things where she's doing, uh, you know, quintuple the production of the next player. Uh, you know, I always go back to to the UConn days and, and you know, Diana Taurasi and Brianna Stewart and uh, Della Don. I don't, I don't know. I think Della Don was in like Delaware or something like that. But like there's been some really, really tremendous uh, women's college basketball players over the years. Uh, this is uh, by far the most electric. It's the Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. If you want to say that it's the Steph Curry because she shoots from so deep and she's a hell of a shooter. So I think everyone's going to make the Steph, Steph Curry comparison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. Uh, tremendous. I, I, yeah, I can't get enough of it. Final thought, Drew. Can I start final thought this week? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm going to keep it short and maybe you can answer the question for me. This is going to be about Draymond Green. This is my final thought. Okay. Is, okay. So I watched Kawhi. Sorry to go back to the Clippers, guys. So I watched Kawhi get, you know, teed up for his first time. He's only had three technicals ever. Gets his fourth technical in that game last week. T Man gets two quick tees tossed out of the game. And every night that I watch Golden State, even our boy Jeff Crompton <laughs> and I were having a conversation. Draymond Green verbally assaults referees throughout the whole game. It, it, it is funny. It's laughable. But this happens all game. And I want to I don't understand why. Is it the chips that that allows you mm. to be able to to scream at officials like this? Is it uh, is it just known throughout the, the community mm. that Draymond's going to be like this and we're just going to let it go? Where is the difference between what Kawhi does and then what Draymond or anybody else? Now, look, I understand Luca has 16 texts and Luca bitches at the refs all game. I get it. I'm just saying, and Pat Beverly gets his texts and whatnot. Dylan Brooks gets his as well, but Draymond every single game, it just seems like he does three, four, five, six things during that game where it looks to me that he should be tossed. If we're going by the rule book and what's allowed and what's not allowed, he even did it last night a couple times. But like, what's the difference? Why does Draymond get away with it? And this isn't hate on Golden State or hate on Draymond at all. It is annoying at times, and it's so <laughs> repetitive. It happens yeah. all the freaking time. Yeah. But what stops him from getting literally kicked out every single game? I don't know, because you're right. I think I think if like if T Man, just to go go back to the your your reference there, if Terrence mm-hmm. Mann started all of a sudden doing exactly what Draymond saying, the exact same things in the same demonstrative manner as Draymond Green, he would be tossed from every game. Right. And I don't think it's fair. I do think there is something, though, uh, kind of going back to like earlier in this podcast, maybe the top of the pod, where I was talking a little bit about Patrick Beverly setting the tone for fouls, mm-hmm. right? You foul early, foul often, and be physical. The refs will adjust. It, it, it almost always happens. If you start off physical, you make the refs blow the whistle at a specific time. And if they don't, you know you can do that thing for the rest of the game. And then you have equity when you go back and they call it. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa. You weren't calling that the whole game. This is not. So I do think because uh, Draymond uh, just since, I mean, really, since he's since he's been in the league, has been this way. 
I think they give him more leash. I will also say that while he's demonstrative and he yells loudly a lot, I actually don't think he gets like off topic. And that's when I think a lot of guys get teed up. And the times in which he does get off time, when I say off topic, he starts cursing. He starts, you know, getting personal with the refs. When he, when he does get off topic, that's immediately when you see the T's come out, right? Because the refs go, okay, we're not tolerating that. But I think the way that he does it, it's almost, uh, it's, it's almost like, a, like he hypnotizes them or something like that because he just he, he yells and his arms, his body language, everything is so loud. But I think he might just be saying, like, you missed that call. But it's just like, you missed that call. How did you miss that call? But I don't think he's like, you suck. Oh, your mother's a whore. Like, I don't think it gets into that realm, which gets him, you know, teed up. I think he's just really animated. And I think there is definitely a longer leash with him than, than potentially any other player in the NBA with these referees. And I think it's because he's just been like that forever. I think it's the same way that I, I think Rasheed Wallace also got towards the end of his career, a longer leash. But again, I think Rashid would do it in different ways than Draymond. That's fair. I just watch so many freaking games, man. And I'll watch a dude dunk a basketball and then like look at the player that he dunked on. And it's an yeah. automatic tee. <laughs> and that is uncalled for. Right. And I'm like, he didn't. He literally just looked at him with his eyeballs. And then you turn yeah. to a Golden State game and it's so dramatic with Draymond. And I yes. get it. You you won chips. You I, I get all that. But I just I just don't see the difference. I also think he attacks the, the the question marks, if you know what I'm saying. Like like when there's like a, a when there is a referee potentially on the fence about a call, and and he calls it against whatever Draymond whatever going against Draymond Green and the Warriors, he attacks those moments by going like no 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 that's wrong like and again very loud and, yeah he wants answers and but, yeah but i think like when you attack the question marks that almost makes you as a human being go oh shit well did i shit did i did i did i pick the right call did i make mm -hmm. the right decision and he always is doing spin like i've he never always. seen i've never seen a guy spin his finger more for review in my entire life <laughs> i think i there's plate spinners and, and harlem globetrotters don't spin their fingers around more than it could be 10 30 in the first quarter and he wants that review give me the review so I, I i think there's something about what i'm saying here because while we don't always pick up everything he says on a microphone he is mm -hmm. loud enough and sometimes the chase arena up there in golden state uh, all those rich fans are too you know they're too rich to clap sometimes so it's pretty quiet in there uh, at times and you can hear what he's saying and it's never it's not never but but most times it's not derogatory or personal attacking the referee. It, it is questioning the call on the floor. And I do think that that like gives him some leeway, even though he's yelling all the time. Refs are so weird now and they're getting so sensitive, not just NBA refs. And I'm going to keep this really short, but I watched the other day preseason baseball game. I think it was the Phillies and the catcher. Yeah. Uh, you saw the catcher. I saw this. this is insane. It was so insane. The catcher just was looking for the ball from the ump from the ump and the ump wasn't looking. Wasn't he was, looking. Just put his just mid put his head, put his mid up facing the same direction as the ref as the umpire. Like you do a hundred times during the game, waiting for the ball. A thousand. Yeah. It didn't come, and he took his 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 glove away right when the ref was putting it in his hand, and he missed the ball. And the ref took off his mask and threw the catcher out of the game because he thought he was disrespect. Game. Never happened. In preseason, in, in baseball ever, right? 
that umpire has to be demoted immediately. You're already demoted to spring training, bro. Now you're back into you're going to college saying, now. He's he's no, he's got to go. He's got to go minor league. You're going. You're going small towns. You're going you're to going, Albuquerque, dude. You're living in the motels, baby. That's where you're going now. You thought you're you were in up the in the Albuquerque Hiltons. circuit. You're going to be at the Hiltons and the Marriotts? No, sir. You're going. You're going. Uh, the inns and the motels, the drive-through motels. The refs just need to stop thinking it's about them. It's not would, about them. I want to talk all. about that play more because that was the most asinine thing I've ever seen in my life. How is it possible that he mm. thinks the catcher could see that he was about to put the ball in his mitt? He right. could. There's no way he was not facing. It would be, it, it, I think, ejection, like a potential ejection, if he was looking at the ref or at the. Uh, I keep saying ref umpire. Mm. and had his mid out staring at him and then the ref go the umpire goes to <laughs> I did it again umpire goes to drop the ball in the mitt and he just goes like that and like takes it away intentionally while looking at you his head is facing the other direct it's it's the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life and I can't believe that the entire Phillies organization just didn't stand up and leave I would have left it's a spring training game if I'm the manager I'm getting in that guy's face and if it's not reversed I'm, I'm just, we're, we're done. We're done with this game. I, we're, I'm, I don't want balls and strikes called by a guy who's going to do this shit. That was insanity. No. And then there should have been able to have a dialogue, right? Really quick and be like, dude, my bad. Shouldn't have tossed you. We're, it's spring training too. Nobody cares. How about, you him, how about you go like, Hey man, I was putting the ball there. Mm-hmm. The other thing about it too, is it, it was during the coverage, the previous pitch, the umpire threw it directly to the pitcher did not put the ball in the glove of the catcher. So he has a precedent, mm-hmm. literally the previous pitch by saying, well, okay, you're probably going to throw it. You're probably just going to throw it to the pitcher. That happens all the time in baseball as well. We're not a baseball pot. I barely watch baseball, but this is the craziest thing I've ever seen an umpire do in a baseball game. I'm Clips glad you Drew, brought it up. Major League Fired Baseball up. podcast coming, coming next year. <laughs> Give me your Good final God. thought, Drew. We got a Memphis game going. Yeah. Okay. Final thought. Um, this is bittersweet. Uh, but I have an announcement to make. I will be in Japan, uh, on my honeymoon with my wife Mm. starting in early April and gone for two weeks. So clips and drew with the, you know, the follow through here on our fans, uh, we're going to do a couple things here. We're going to put this one out obviously, and clips and I are going to try and come together, uh, on Monday, April 3rd to get you whatever else happens between now and then. And potentially, you know, maybe we'll do our uh, our individual player awards. Might be a little bit of a longer pod to give you all something to listen to while I'm gone. Uh, but I want to make that announcement here that, unfortunately, for like the play-in stuff and for maybe even the, the very early stages of the first round, I will be on the other side of the world, Clips. It's one of those things where it's difficult for us to record when I'm uh, you know, a day ahead of you in a different time zone. And uh, what I do want for all of our listeners is hit me up with some J- Japan wrecks. If you have any, well, I'm going to be in We're Tokyo. big in Taiwan. We have the number 80 show in Taiwan right now. I love that. And I, well, while I won't be visiting Taiwan, I would love to visit Taiwan in the future. So shout out to them. But for all of our listeners that have visited Japan, I'm going to be in Tokyo and Kyoto. And I would love any recommendations for spots that I should see. I, we, you know, my wife used to be an event planner before her days of being a therapist now. So we are very well 
organized on this trip. However, if there is like restaurants or specific cool bars, uh, ramen spots, uh, izakayas, like a street food, vendor food that you want, highly recommend. Please send them my way. Uh, if you don't follow me on Instagram, it's at Drew the Right Thing. Clips manages the, the Clips and Drew page, but he'll see it and get it over to me at Clips and Drew on IG. Of course, you can just DM Clips and say, uh, what the hell is Drew doing taking off for the first round of the playoffs? That's a valid question. I wanted to go solo, but I don't think I'm, it's going to be difficult. I wanted to try it out. I don't, I don't think it, it's right, though. Well, you, you have all the right in the world to if something you know goes down and it's not like I'm without internet. So if something crazy happens, I can absolutely, you know, stay up till three o'clock in the morning or something like that if need be. Uh, but it is one of those things where, you know, initially we had this trip scheduled for October. Japan was not letting folks into the country. So we had to reschedule. And of course it does fall on, you know, the early stages of the playoffs, but it's cherry blossom season clips and we're going to be we're going to be loving it i'm going to be drinking sake and oh, yeah. sapporo and eating more fish in the next two weeks uh so again you'll you'll see you one should more... probably tell people you're a professional basketball player over there they might believe you yeah i think i retired know, I, I, I think my physique would would really throw them off uh the professional you're retired, basketball man. the professional basketball scent i think i could probably i could I used to be able to get away with like maybe former college D1 tight end. And I think now I can probably get away with maybe D3 uh, left Pitcher. tackle, left Pitcher. tackle, left, Pitcher, no, left just left tackle offensive line. I was, I was a D3 O lineman and uh, at Gonzaga, I, at Gonzaga, a place that does not have a football program. Take that your sweatshirt. Great. That'll be great. I'll just be like, yeah, I played for, I played left tackle for Gonzaga. They're gonna be like, that's not even a, the, the Japanese Rui Hachimura went to Gonzaga. The Japanese would call me out in a second. They'd be like, "That that college does not have a football program." But Eastern Washington, I'll go with that. That's close. They're neighbors. Oh, uh, all right. We're coming back April third. Drew's got to go to Tokyo. I'm excited for you, man. I hope you and your wife have a blast. But we got to get one more pot out before you take off. It'll probably be our All NBA picks, which is already tough. I need another another week. Or I need so. more time as well. It's difficult. I, I, God, I got to see it. So we'll be back shortly. Uh, Major League podcast drop, dropping uh, next spring. <laughs> so follow through. We're ghost. You know what it is. You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the 